are colliding. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. Comedy Nerd Show. When you hear that music, you know it's time for the Action Comedy Nerd Show. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, and sitting with me is my co-host, Dan Brown. How's everyone doing out there? Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast. Dan and I have launched this podcast so we can talk about all our favorite pop culture topics. Yes. With ourselves, with people we interview, and with you, the listeners and fans at home listening, we hope. We hope. Dan, why are we doing this? Because we want to. <laughs> we want to. Yes. <laughs> because because the nerds out there don't have enough content no. going for them. No, 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 there's, no. no. There, there's no shortage of superhero movies. There's no shortage of Big no. Bang Theory reruns. We needed to make sure there's, there's more. And there's nowhere that fans can go to talk about and listen to the things they love. No, no. it's not like there's this communication device that reaches out to people worldwide <laughs> if you, to you bitch know. about movies and share pornography with one another. If, if you podcast it, they will yeah. listen. Yes. That's the, the podcast ethos. And uh, bonus points for uh, Jerry's Gold Star Classroom. You can tell me what movie I just ripped that line off of. <laughs> or what movie I ripped my line off of. So the, the we're off to the races here with, yep. <laughs> with vague pop culture references. Vague pop culture references that we stole. <laughs> if you enjoy stolen vague pop culture references, then you will also enjoy the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast. Yes, and we have a great guest, don't we? We do have a great guest. It's comic book historian, actor, and uh, writer, radio personality, Chris Lambert. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with Chris, you know, talking to him. It's going to be a, it's definitely going to be a good show. Uh, you know, he started writing uh, for the Scene magazine when he was still in high school, and he has a long history from then till now uh, as a writer and speaker and actor. Which is funny, because if now if you're in high school writing for Scene magazine, you have bad parents. Yes. <laughs> like, you, you have neglectful parents. And No, no, back in the 70s, uh, Chris was uh, avant-garde for being a scene writer. Oh, good. Now you're negligent. All right, and uh, I want to make sure everybody knows that the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast also has an Action Comedy Nerd Show live show. Yes, a live show. And in the month of October 2016, we have two shows coming up. Yes, one at Nyacon and the other at Northeast Geek Fest. And those are October 8th and October 22nd, respectively. Exactly. So, uh, I would say, Dan, why don't we segue over to our interview with Chris and see what he has to talk about. Very good. Hey, this is Jerry. Welcome to the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast interview of Chris Lambert. I have with me my partner, Dan Brown. Hello, everybody. How are you guys out there? Hope you're doing well. And Dan and I are excited to have a special guest with us today, actor, writer, and comic book historian, Chris Lambert. Hello, everyone. I am indeed Chris Lambert. <laughs> 
Well, we have now that's an introduction. <laughs> yes. That is, a, uh, that is the way you introduce yourself when yes. you're at a party. I am <laughs> Chris Lambert. He's, he's fact-checking his introduction. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Including to, my own name. To, just, yes. in case, just in case Jerry wasn't your, your good enough source <laughs> yeah. to, to go off of. This interview is being recorded live at the Barnes & Noble in Mentor, Ohio, and I'd like to thank the manager, Chad, for letting us record here. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Can't wait to get banned. Our first and last ever interview recorded at Barnes yeah. Noble and Mentor. Well, Chris, thanks for doing this interview with us. I know you have a, a long history as a writer in many genres, and I just wonder, when and how did you start writing all uh, those years ago? <laughs> yes, the George Harrison song, all those years ago. <laughs> uh, Stop, we don't have the rights to play that song. That's true. Uh, <laughs> the, Fun fact, we just got sued by George Harrison. <laughs> Literally, because we're having a he's so fine moment here, yes, right? Yes. Uh, professionally or just well, getting what, the idea to write? Or, well, you, you started know. when you were still a teenager. Right. So uh, what correct. happened there? I just had a fascina fascination with writing stories, making up my own stories. I used to play with my army men and my cowboys, and my dad would say, like, what are you doing? And I, and I said... I'm giving everybody I, I, lines. I'm actually doing a little mini play with yeah. my, you know, and that's how it started. You know, I just you're, you're, okay. you're like the high school drama coach of yeah. playing with your toys. Like every yeah. kid needs a line here. Yeah. So you know, if we're going to charge their parents fifteen dollars a piece to see them, the ugly little army man that uh, usually was just like a bazooka or a yes. guy. I said, okay, I'll have I'll call him Joe, and he'll have like two lines, but he'll be way over yeah. here. Uh, I always like to pretend I was the guy with the microphone radio, oh, yeah, so because yeah. all I could call for help, yeah. you know, get me out of here. <laughs> but it switched over to where I started. I started loving rock and roll and starting to see how these guys would interact with the press. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. They, they. I, I was at a few uh, concerts where I actually Eric Clapton walked right by me and I said, "Hey, Eric," and he like, "Hi," and he reached out and I said, "Okay, they're approachable." Then I went to. <laughs> They, I saw interviews, and I said, okay, they, they talk, and they they mm -hmm. make stories about interviews, features, and so I thought, I can do that, because I love writing, so I, I just uh, decided to call up, you know, back in those days, your people didn't have to call my people, and stuff. I just called Warner Brothers and said, I'd like to talk to your, you know, this guy that's coming, and he happened to be friends with the Beatles, and on right. Apple Records, and he said, well, okay, uh, what paper do you, and this is the point in my career where I had to take a gulp. I said, freelancer. You know, I right. had no pay. And he said, okay. And I was like, all right, because nobody wanted to talk to this guy. And it was a, it was a uh, protege of George Harrison's uh, that was uh, called Jackie Lomax. And it was okay. an Apple album. And his, his album, and he had some songs written by George. And on his album, there was Klaus Vorman, Billy Preston, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, George Harrison, and Eric Clapton. We're going to have to censor like, all those names out, or we got Pam Rothy. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, John, is, it's like right. one guy, le I mean, less than the Beatles plus their friends, and it was a great album. So I thought, okay, interviewed him, and uh, the scene magazine, I walked in and said, hi, I'm Chris. You know, right. And they said, we can't use the story because we don't think this guy's important enough, but we do like your writing. So at the age of 15 and a half, there I was, a, a staff member of the Scene Magazine. And the Scene Magazine is like the Cleveland area What's Happening publication. Yeah, yeah it, it sort it, of has a sort of rock and roll journalism right, roots it, to it. Now it's not anything like it used to be. In the in the old days, in the early mid seventies, it was sort of the Cleveland free giveaway Rolling Stone. But yeah. now since then, it's right. You know, since then, 
there's nothing not important enough to get into that stupid <laughs> yeah. magazine. It's, yeah. Except yeah. for me, who yeah. has yeah. never yeah. yet appeared in that stupid magazine. Really? That, you haven't that's, yet? that's the bar. Like, <laughs> Wow, I've been in there, but that's... Well, <laughs> well of course you have, and Dan has. <laughs> Three times. See? Oh. So, so that's, that's where the bar somewhere between me and Dan. Yep. There's that <laughs> threshold. So at age 15 and a half, you're writing yeah. for the scene. And then I stopped about two or three years later. So by 19, I felt I was a has-been. But the one egotistical thing I did, I, because I still hadn't left high school yet, so I had to you know, run back, type up the story, and then study for my history test. And then when the scene came out on Thursday night, the kids would get it. And then Friday, I was mobbed in the cafeteria, like, okay, what was so-and-so? Like, what was so-and-so? Like, and it's like, okay, you know, it's like, okay, who's your real friend and who wants right. to sit with me? Because what they, what uh, high school did you go to? Wycliffe uh, uh, Senior High. Okay. Through my whole life. Which and, is in the and, Cleveland area. Yes, it's yeah. uh, just the last, it's the last city before you hit Cuyahoga County. It's the last <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Western okay. City in uh, Lake County. Any teachers you want to make fun of now? No, I've already made fun of them all. <laughs> what? Actually, I, I still keep in touch with my sixth grade English teacher. So that's that's really he's like eighty five years old. And he's a wonderful guy. Huh. So we're here to talk about comic books as yes. much as possible. Yeah, so right. how did you grow into writing about and studying comic books? Uh, my dad got me started on comics. I was washing my face or brushing my teeth one day in the bathroom, and I was always taught to close the bathroom door no matter what you're doing okay and so as i'm brushing my teeth my uh, i saw this little pamphlet kind of slide <laughs> under the door and i picked it up and it's like wow and i asked my dad how come these guys have masks on and stuff right. but they're supposed to be good guys yeah. and i was about three and a half four and uh my my dad said well you remember the the reruns of the lone ranger because i didn't i wasn't old enough to see right. them on the first right. one but those shows ran forever right. and zorro had a mask but he, was, right. he said yeah he said it's just like that only this one is batman and his his buddy robin I said oh okay so suddenly I, I got the concept of the i knew the alter ego dual identity on tv but now i got it in these colored so pamphlets he slid that to you underneath the bathroom yep, yep. Wow. how yep. old were you uh three and a half or four really okay, yeah. okay. so when i my parents would slide something to me underneath the bathroom door there's usually like a pamphlet saying jesus says to stop doing that or you'll go blind so <laughs> or until you need glasses yeah, <laughs> so no. and, that's, and I've become a, a huge fan, and then uh, my, you know my dad supported my uh, hobby, and always uh, if I was sick or something, he'd bring me back comics from you know so I could read while I was. In the Do you remember what the first story you read was? Uh, yes, it was uh, it was a detective comic, the case of the the menace of the multiple creatures. Okay. That was the first series. I mean, I had looked at Donald Duck and stuff sure, like that before. Right. But that was the first uh, serious Batman. Sure. Although it was during his silly fighting alien period, so sort of like a Buck Rogers mm -hmm. Batman. So I guess that comes kind of comes next to our, our next question is huh? uh, who came first, Batman or Superman? Uh, Superman came first, but not in my heart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Superman came first, and I since I've studied and my dad also gave me some old Supermans as well. Superman old. was like the first actual superhero. superhero. I mean, unless yeah. you want to count the Phantom in the in the newspapers right. uh, the 19, shadow and radio 1936 the shadow and radio and some people even say you know instead of taking a magic pill or saying a magic word popeye used to eat spinach and become super strong for right. you know and popeye the metahuman yeah that's, a, that's the, that would be the dc version of because marvel would call him a mutant yeah. <laughs> suicide squad 2 starring but yeah. popeye but, but in that sort of <laughs> in the 20th 20th, 21st century yes. sense of the they, American they superhero right. genre. Yeah. Superman, Superman is sort of the epitome, is, yes. the yeah. threshold figure. Right. 
He's right. the alpha. He's the yeah. or he's the uh, omega, I should say, right? The alpha. That, the yeah. alpha, yeah. Nineteen thirty-eight. Thirty-eight June of thirty-eight, but because of the way they published predated it, yeah. it came out like April twelfth or something. And the original Superman, I, I read some of those early stories, and he is so much. He's sort of like a, a champion of the downtrodden. He's what I coined the phrase. He's less Nietzsche than New Deal, and, <laughs> okay. and he's always ta- you know like looking right. out for. You know, workers in right. a in a bad in a, a bad mining situation because you know the big government yes. is trying to do the leftist kind of you know helping the common man thing. Yes. So uh, and then Batman came along a year later and uh, so so today it would be Republicans fearing Superman. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay, here comes yeah. the union guy. And, and you know they kind of changed that around and in the ba- uh, Dark Knight Returns, it was a th- uh, the whole back section of the book was Superman was old and and was older but still much viable and. And Ronald Reagan had been in office for 20 years, and Superman was his personal Boy Scout to sure. peace around the world. Yeah, you know, I love that book. By the way, it's my personal favorite book. That is a, that is a good one. I'm just sorry that everybody tends to keep mimic, mimicking it or using it as a template for something. And I just not everything has to be that. You know, you can have some lighter stories or some detective right. stories without. But there's good dialogue. Well, I mean, they it. made Dark Knight Strikes again, which just went to prove that you really shouldn't make it too light. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. And I'm I'm a little tired of every yeah. the Flash, not so much on TV, and certainly not Supergirl, but every every other thing besides the animated uh, stuff that DC does has it looks like it was shot at midnight, and everything is dark and. Right, you know, and, and the Avengers was a the first one was a great movie, and I could see everything. You know, right, was, you, I could see all parts of Cleveland. I mean, <laughs> I mean New York when the invaders uh, when the aliens came. <laughs> but the invaders were right; they should have destroyed Cleveland. Yeah, like yes. their, their yeah. instinct was correct. Yeah, I think they, I think they came to Cleveland and went, "Oh, someone already did yeah, it." Done. So oh my god. <laughs> done. Yeah. No, we're we are not the mistake by the lake. Oh, great! Somebody beat us to it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it was that their own people? Right. <laughs> yeah. Someone in the corner said, "Have you seen?" Akron, come on! Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah, yeah. One of your prestigious publications in the realm of comic books is you were a contributor in 1988 to the book Superman at 50: The Persistence of, of a, a Legend. Legend. Yes, hmm. I, a lot of people don't remember that second part of it. That book was interesting because they they had all these people they wanted to keep it Cleveland based, mm-hmm. you know, because it was you know he came from Cleveland, the two guys that created him, and they they didn't know who to get, so they got all these professors to talk about physics, how much energy would it take for Superman to leap a tall building in a single bound. But then they wound up saying, well, wait a minute, we don't have anything to do with the actual comics or the movies. So they contacted myself and uh, a writing partner of mine, Dr. Philip Scarry, who was teaching at the uh, Lakeland Community College at the time, and as as was I. And so we decided to team up and write it together because he didn't, I, I didn't mind writing it alone, but... I sort of met the, the publisher through him, and I didn't want to okay. keep him out, and he didn't want to write it alone without me. So Could you what, give us, like, oh, you go, Dan. I'm sorry, what year did you write that? Uh, we wrote it in 87, 87 and it, it okay. actually came out late 87. October 87 was the first, like, author party downtown for its big Okay. 1988, uh, you know. So it came out before, like Superman 4 came out. It came uh, out before the, yeah, the, the, the adventures of that's uh, the weird thing. Lois and Clark. And yeah, the, the weird thing about that was like, the very next year, Batman has that 1989 gigantic movie. Yeah. And it, it, to me, it seems like there's two different thinkings. It's like, this is Superman's 50th anniversary. We can do this and this and this and this and this. Oh yeah, yeah, this is great. Oh, 
yeah, let's make a movie to tie in with it, too. Mm-hmm. Whereas the next year, it was like, Batman, is, we've got to make a decent Batman film for a while. We've really got to show the people we right. know what we're doing. Oh, that's right. It is his 50th anniversary. <laughs> so it, it was just the exact opposite. You know, the, right. so. Well, because back then, when, when it did come to making movies and everything, they really didn't take superhero movies too seriously. No. They were I mean, like B movies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you um, really have to trace them who was the direct dick donner right of uh, superman richard richard donner, donner. Yeah. i'm sorry yeah, yeah. Right. But, sorry but, uh, yeah um, he did the first one but because but he, he was fired late, in the middle of the second and one. they brought in richard lester who yeah. was basically known for his comedies and mm-hmm. the four musketeers and the beetle movies right. but he had done some serious like juggernaut and robin and marion and so that that's fine it, you know it just they were right. not considered heavy duty uh, movies right. at that time i mean christopher uh Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. It was like, that was a good movie. The first Michael Keaton Batman mm-hmm. was. And I thought, you know, there's certain films that get away from camp a little at a time. Right. The first Batman movie in 66 was t- terribly yeah. camp. But then Doc Savage was, you know, with Ron right. Ely in the midst. That was camp. But there was some, it was supposed to be the 30s, so it, it right. moved a little way. And then um, Buckaroo Banzai right. Right. moved a little further away from camp until you, you eventually can, uh, wound up with the good ones. Don't, don't worry, we're going to edit out any references to Buckaroo Banzai in post-production. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but you can you can argue, though, in, in the 60s when it came to the Batman TV show and to yeah. the movie, though, that that worked for the time. It worked for the time, and, and I've since come to the conclusion that it probably saved Batman because... A few years before, they were about to cancel Batman, and they had to change his look. It was called the new look, and they put that yellow symbol around his back. But I didn't see sales doing very much until the movie came, and then it went sky high. But then, as soon as the TV show went off, the sales dropped to worse than they were from when they were thinking canceling it. So then that instigated them into, uh uh-oh, now we've got to take another drastic step, which was to bring him back to his... 1939 roots. So in effect, the Batman movie did keep it alive, made a lot of money for the company. It actually caused the Kinney Corporation to buy out DC, and therefore DC became a part of Warner Brothers, which has saved it ever since. Yeah. Now, a lot of your current work over the past couple of years, perhaps, have been produced and massaged by this uh, group known by the name Bystander Group. Yes, yes, Bystander. Can you uh, tell us like briefly what yes. Bystander Group is and it's, how someone listening could look them up? <laughs> well, we're on Facebook, and you can just look up Bystander, uh, Bystander Group, LLC, books and magazines. You can look up my name, and you'll see different references. It just started with me. Uh, I've always been an amateur filmmaker and mm-hmm. uh, writing whatever I could, but I always thought, well, why don't I just sort of consolidate everything instead of going over here, going over there, doing stuff for different people. Why don't I just try and form a little... And so I thought, well, you know, uh, that's the way I used to make amateur films. I'd get anybody who just happened to be standing by. (laughs) So, And then I thought, well, what does a guy standing by look like? And he said, well, it's sort of leaning against the wall, waiting to get called on. So that was (laughs) a symbol of our company, the the bystander. And so I just started using that to to represent myself. So we've actually incorporated, and now I work for the company that I sort of helped create. I wanted to be prepared for this interview, so I, yes. I Googled you on the interwebs. Yes. And I just wanted to ask you, Chris Lambert, what yes. was it like being in the Highlander movies? 
According I, to the interwebs and yes. IMDb, you were I, the star yeah. of the Highlander movies. I, I have gotten that, and uh, <laughs> in the beginning before that, the Tarzan. You know, your yes. is not long enough. For, it's long, but it's not as long as Tarzan's. Uh, so I get that all the time, and uh, I think I'm actually a year too younger or you're too older i'm not sure i may be the original but i saw christopher lambier's face on his wikipedia page and he's a, a silver-haired gentleman these days yes 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 well i i uh, we should really edit his wikipedia page yeah make, yes. it, make it something a little more interesting yes. I, I keep that at bay because uh if i were to do nothing i would look my my uh upper lip and, and goatee area would look like I lost a battle with an ice cream cone. So I, I use that uh, just for superheroes, kind of, just to get my beard. Can I beg you to stop making that obscene gesture? We're in a public place right now. <laughs> uh, Dan and I are going to take a little break so we can uh, yes. have a special announcement. But when we come back, right. we're going to ask Chris who he thinks is the most underrated supervillain. Oh, yes. So I'll be thinking right. about your answers. I and when we come back from this little down. announcement, uh, we'll get to that topic. Okay, right? thank you very much. Dan and I wanted to take this opportunity to make sure you knew about our upcoming appearance October 8th at NyanCon. Dan, yes. tell everybody about NyanCon. NyanCon is a one-day free anime and pop culture convention in Northeast Ohio by Anime Anonymous of Lakeland Community College. All fandoms are welcome. It's going to be the best Catterday ever. Where is this at, you might ask? It is going to be at Lakeland Community College, 7700 Clock Tower Drive in Kirkland, Ohio, 44094. It's going to be October 8th from 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. They're going to have great things there all day. Besides the Action Comedy Nerd Show live show. At 6.30 p.m. At 6.30 p.m. in the main theater. Yes. What are some of the other uh, attractions and guests people can see there? Well, you can also see Chris Lambert, our guest from the show. Uh, other than Chris Lambert, uh, they're also going to have professional cosplayer, uh, the Lady of Rowan, uh, Lindsay Glinka. Uh, they're going to have a very special band, the Ghost in Blue, and they're going to have a cosplay contest that's going on all day. All right, cosplay contest, lots of guests, uh, speakers, and featured guests. And I activities. plan on going as the king with no clothes. <laughs> And nobody will tell you either. Yes. <laughs> nobody ever points out when the king has no clothes on. So all of that and the Action Comedy Nerd Show live show at NyanCon on October 8th. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. All right, welcome back to the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast. This is Jerry with my partner Dan Brown. Hi, I am Dan Brown, fact-checking myself. <laughs> we are we are currently... In, in comedy, a we call that a callback. <laughs> And we are interviewing comic book historian, actor, and man about town, Chris Lambert. Hello. Not to be confused with the actor who played the Highlander in Tarzan. Mm -hmm. And we were just asking him. Who so do you, well, when you do see him at cons, you can say, hey, I saw you about town. Yes. And, yeah. You know, the odd thing is I was doing a book signing about a year ago, and a young kid approached me. And I said, oh, would you like an autograph or a, a freak coloring sheet? He said, no, I just uh, wanted to, you know, this autograph for my mother. And I said, well, okay, what's her favorite book, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, she doesn't like your books. She just loved your movies when you played Tarzan and Highlander. <laughs> and I said, I'm not that one. And I said, but I still gave him the autograph. <laughs> Wrote his mama note. Sorry, it's not you know, what you're thinking. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not the celebrity you wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're the celebrity you deserve. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we get the ones we deserve. <laughs> Oh. Um, I've always, uh, not always, in the past few years, have come to think 
that the most underrated supervillain is Doc Ock from the Spider-Man world. Mm -hmm. I always saw him as Spider-Man's nemesis. Like, they both have eight legs, and they're both scientists. But one sort of went good, and one went evil. And he was in one of the Spider-Man movies, which was probably my favorite of all the Spider-Man movies so far. That fight on the wall, you know, on the the, uh, side of the skyscraper was great. But... I, I don't see him having sort of much impact in, like, the yeah. pop culture world or he doesn't no. get mentioned on people's lists. So I just think of him as, like, my favorite supervillain that doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. Chris and Dan, who are your favorite, most underrated supervillains? Um, well, for myself, if, if you were asking me two years ago, I honestly would have said the Penguin. Because even though he did have a, a big role in the 92 um, Batman Returns, right. I mean, we really didn't get to see too much. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't think people really thought too highly of. Fast forward to what was 2014 when Gotham came out on, right. on television. Okay. And at first, I didn't really like the casting of, of Penguin. Uh, I can't yeah. think of that guy's mm-hmm. name, but he yeah. was in um, uh, he was in a few things I've seen. And, right. Um, I thought he was a little too tall to be Penguin. I thought he was a little too skinny to be Penguin. And mm-hmm. I didn't really. But since then, I was like, man, that guy's knocked it out of the park. Right. You know what I mean? That guy's done a fantastic job. So this or two years ago, I would have said Penguin easily. Right, right now, to be honest with you, I'm not. Hundred percent sure. Okay. I mean, that, that is at least my opinion. You've just, uh, Dan, you've just uh, yeah. uh, set off another uh, underrated note. I had talked during the break with Jerry and talked about the Molecule Man from Marvel mm-hmm. because he can really change mo- molecules in the air and really do anything to anybody or any object. But you would mention, since you had mentioned the Batman villains, I also want to throw in maybe Tide, Clayface. Who can change himself yeah. into anything, and he's very bulky and mm-hmm. you know, full of cl- uh, heavy. Just without right. turning into anything, he can really right. bowl you over and knock walls down, right. sort of hulkish, or change into something. So yeah. I'd say those two right. tied for those two. I think because the film films as a genre are not serials the way comic books are. I, I do kind of miss. I don't even have a specific villain in mind, but you might think of one. Mm-hmm. In, a, in the life of a comic book that's around for a few years, sometimes villains pop up just to be like the villain of an episode, yeah. but may yeah. not have like longevity to them. Like the Clock King or right. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but we, we never... old timers, yeah. You kind of don't get that in the movies, I feel. No, no. They always no. like they try to identify like who's the villain or supervillain yeah. for this movie, and there might be some and, minions around or a B-story. But... And throw too many yeah. in. To make their point, which right. sometimes over ruins. Too, I actually think many, you know that was a little bit the problem of that second Batman movie you're referring to, um, the one that has the Penguin in it. Batman Returns. Batman Returns. It, it, had, it, had, it had six plots and none of them were resolved. Yeah, you know, yeah. By the there's end of at the least movie. four villains in that yes. movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. So well, and, and look at the very last one. It's the it's the fourth appear. It's it's the first appearance of a new Batman, George Clooney. It's the second appearance of Robin, Chris O'Donnell. Batgirl, first her first appearance. Right. Then you throw the plot in of uh, Alfred's dying. Right. And then you've got what is it, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy. And was, let's throw yeah, Bane Batman in there Ryan, for yeah. ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. yeah. that fourth of the original. Right. Yeah. So that was what six people in one movie. Like, and that on. movie, almost the exception that proves the rule, because it that, became more campy yeah. instead right. of less campy. Yeah. Well, but it became a worse movie for it. Well, what yes. happened was, uh, uh, yeah. you know, if I if I am correct, that was the um, the movie before with Batman ba- Forever. Val Kilmer. Um, yeah, that was the bridge between Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher right. uh, when it came to making the movies, right. where he, he still had one foot in Burton during that movie, one, yeah. boot, one boot in um, in Schumacher, and then because he lightened it up, made it a little bit campy, right. they thought in the, the amount of money that movie made, they thought, oh, well, that means they want it more campy. Right. And well, that unfortunately, was, that movie was also the one to prove that DC wants every oh. villain 
to be a surrogate Joker because Riddler was laughing up a storm and Two Face was laughing up yeah, a storm. Yeah. And Two Face never laughed much. And they he, were supposed to make know. a movie called Batman Infinity after that. Okay. Um, and that was actually going to have Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn and Scarecrow. Okay. Which which they in the in the newer yeah. Christopher Nolan uh, Batman's right. they kind of sprinkled the Scarecrow mm-hmm. through those first two or three. And they all like, well, he was in all of them. Okay. Yeah, he was like, supposed why, to be like a continuity character. Yeah, why to, use him if you're only going to give us snippets? Yeah, the second and third movies it was almost cameos. Yeah. Just yeah. to create a kind of weird well, the, but the meaningless second one continuity. Was, right. The second one was to catch him. It was like, all right, we we got Scarecrow. Yeah. That's going to be you know because he he got away. In yeah, the, that was in like the first a, one. Yeah. Okay, so a dangling we got line. him. Uh, we get to see Batman. Every, you know, right. in the first five minutes of the movie, everyone's happy. Right. And then at the end, it, I, I thought it was a nice touch having him there kind of as the judge and jury. In the of, kangaroo court. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, him making decisions. Um, it would have been kind of cool. And then like, hey, whatever happened to, <laughs> whatever happened to Scarecrow at the yes. end? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we got rid of that bomb, but you know, Scarecrow is still I, a terrible I had person. Read that Cillian Murphy is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I read that he actually tried out for the for Batman, Batman role yeah. and was rejected. Okay. But they said, "But we like you in some capacity. Would you be?" You right. Know? It's like okay. Well, and of course, at least the plan on paper was for the Joker to appear in the third movie as yeah. well. So that would have undoubtedly would have affected the Scarecrow just in terms of the ambience of the whole movie. Like yeah. there would have been. A villain from the first movie, a villain from the second movie, mm-hmm. and whatever was going well, on and, in the and, third and movie. Well, in the second bunch of three, yes. know, Christopher Nolan's, that Joker was a great movie. That, sec- that second one with the Joker was so good, but they added, they tacked on 45 minutes of the Two-Face, Two-Face yeah. and they, where they could have milked him for a whole other serious movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. to me, just my, as a writer and a creator right. type of person, they could have very easily, when... Gordon went to visit him in the hospital. He said, right. "We're sorry, you know, we're so sorry. We're so sorry that this happened to you, Harvey." And he could have rolled over, right? Sort of like he did. did. Yep. And you see his face like that. Like, and he could have said, "You're not sorry by half." Right. And then, bam! And then yeah. that's the end. Yeah. And you know he's coming next yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah. And so that sort of bothered me. Instead, mm-hmm. they tack on a quick little plot. Uh, and and, and really, Two Face deserved his own moment in the sun. He really that that is a character that could you know really could have his own movie. Oh, he could carry very much. Yeah. So. he's one of the but top I, three or four Batman villains. But I think the I mean not the problem, but the problem is that major movies aren't set up to be serialized. Mm-hmm. Like if they were going to do five Batman movies and knock them out once every six months, right? Yeah. But they got to like make this movie now, you yeah. know, and and because of the cost and, yes. and all that, and the the post production special effects right. and all that, I I think that's a really good movie. I'd like to see somebody yeah. a little bit low budget, little, right. you know, but still, you know, if you can make, I've seen decent movies made yes. on somebody's, you know, cell phone, yes. cell phone yeah. that with with effects and everything, right. and entered some contests with this, these yes. people that I, I admire. Well, I would love to see your idea come to fruition. Yeah, have so them see put out five Batman movies in a year. So right. just to give you a. Flaw. So while we got uh, on the topic of movies here, yes. Batman vs Superman. In your opinion, as an expert, uh-huh. what was that movie missing? What made that movie? What could have made it better? Could have been taken out. All right, you know, you know what I think. I'll try. Because I'll tell you mine too. Okay. I'll tell you mine too. I sat down and I said, I hate this movie. <laughs> Ten, fifteen more minutes into it, I said, I'm bored beyond my belief. Right. Then about halfway through, I started looking at it differently, and I said, okay, it's not the movie; it's how you perceive the movie. Yeah. So you have to change, in my estimation, what you need to do is change the perception of what you're looking at. It's like a novel; it's like a novel filmed. 
it's not a comic book come to life. It's a it's a novel that's you know very lengthy. And it's but they said okay, well they tacked Doomsday on, and you hate things tacked on. But there was hints that Lex was something doing was something. Yeah. So that actually made more sense than say tacking on yeah. Two Face, like we just right. got done talking yeah. about. So I really think it's the perception has to be changed of. It, and it was directed by um, Zach yeah, Snyder, Zach Snyder yeah. who did The Watchmen, and that was a very intense, very heavy yes. movie. And I thought, okay, if you watch it like you watch The Watchmen, which is a great movie, right. you, you, if you, and if you change your perspective to this is a, a, a piece of literature, a book that has been, you know, reincarnated right. as a movie, you enjoy it more. And that's, right. as a film, as an action summer you know, f- right. f- uh, fun film for the kids? No. It, but if you're thinking of it in the terms of Moby Dick or something right. fleshed out, then I but think you've got a great... Dan, what did you think was missing was from I that too, movie? Was I too... Uh, no, no, no <laughs> well, but I just wanted to make I'll sure... You, I know Dan yeah. had an answer for this. Um, well, the one thing I, I don't like what DC does that you'll see Marvel do is that Marvel will... You know, when it comes to like either like the Stan Lee cameos or in the Hulk movies, how they had Lou Ferrigno, they they make nods and mentions, you know, even though it's not part of the the story, you know, they they kind of give a nod to the fans like, hey, remember this or hey, you know, didn't you like this before? And DC really hasn't done that. Like there's been no no Adam West cameo in any of the bad. No, they they They, they tried a Bob Kane once in the first, but he wasn't available. Yeah. That's, you know, so they, you know, they they do no nods. You know, they could have had Dean Kane in in a movie or something, just kind of walking by. They could have kind of did a nod to like a previous movie or a TV show. Like my own personal feeling about Batman vs Superman is I think that movie would have ended much better is if at the end of the movie, um, Superman was thrown off of a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, in the first Christopher Reeve, there was... And I am a huge fan of Christopher Reeve. (laughs) (laughs) That is harsh. Uh, We're not messing around up in here. In the TV series, uh, Smallville, they had a character... Christopher Reeve... Did a, did a role. Yeah. And they named him Dr. Swan after Kurt Swan, the, yeah. the uh, artist who drew him for 30 years. Yeah. But in the first Superman movie, they had a perfect what you were talking about, and they cut it to where the real, the, the just casual fan did not know. Remember when uh, 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 young Clark was racing that train, yeah. past that train, and the little girl went, look, look. Yeah. That was supposed to be a young Lois Lane who grew up. And they were supposed to have a little scene where the father and the mother said, oh, get away, you, you must be imagining something. That was filmed with Noel Neal, who played Lois Lane in the old TV series, and Kirk Allen, who played in the first yeah. serial. So what do they have, a, a perfect little tie-in, and that t- woman turns out to grow up to be Lois Lane? They cut the scene to where it just the little girl looks, and you don't really you don't go in, you yeah. don't go inside the compartment for, oh, four seconds. Would it have killed her? Well, you know, the, the one thing, and all honesty, I do kind of want to see in the movies, uh-huh. um, is a scene where... Uh, you, Christian Bale comes in, just a quick 10 second scene. He's like, Grandpa, right. come on, right. Grandpa. Dad, can you get him? And then Michael Keaton turns around, and is like, Dad, come on, get down. Yeah. And then Adam West is, you know, like, yeah. he's stuck on a ladder somewhere. I, like, uh, along the same, I'm a big believer in what you just yeah. said. And, and along the line, in uh, Man from Uncle, the new, I have not yeah. seen it, but I heard it really captured the spirit yeah. of the 60s. I was dying for those two guys, Army Hammer yeah. and um, right. uh, the Superman mm-hmm. uh, actor who played Napoleon Solo, to turn around and say, uh, well, let's see. We're in such danger. There, there could be moles. There could be people right. spying on us any minute. In fact, those two gentlemen right there at that cafe table could be spying for yeah. all we know. And then, 
right. They're, they're both alive. David McCollum and, and yeah. uh, Robert Vaughn turn around and say, are you, you talking to us? <laughs> yes. Just you know. so you know, that movie sucked. Okay. Okay. Now, All right. No, I have not sucked. seen it. Yes. So. That movie was unwatchable. But I, I am a big yeah, believer with you. Yeah. Pay attention to your past. Because it's a nice you know, nod to the fans. To the, to the the it, it doesn't mean anything. It does, but, I mean, it, but it well, makes everybody smile who knows yeah, Now, I'd like to ask a question. Okay, sure, sure. The... Um, Avengers has been mentioned a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in the first Avengers movie where Iron Man fights Thor over who gets to possess Loki. Yeah. And I remember when I watched that scene and then talked to people like right after seeing the movie that I hated that scene because dramatically it did nothing to the story. Like it was a lot of noise and spectacle, but the story didn't advance because of that fight. You got to see Thor fight, you got to see Iron Man fight. This is what yeah. somebody had to explain to me, that yeah, it was yeah. actually, that real superhero fans, I just right. read air quotes, by yeah. the way, that real superhero fans mm-hmm. like to see what will happen when different superheroes yeah. fight each other. And it, it, the, way, the reason why I kind of liked it was that it's two big egos. Mm-hmm. And the, right. essentially that's what all superheroes right. are. They are egos. They, yeah. are, they all believe right. they are the captain. Uh, in Avengers number three, where everybody's, they're trying to get right. Hulk back into the team because he quit right. in number two. Right. Submariner happens to bump into him and help him. So it's three or four Avengers versus, you know, right. the, the, the two villains. And Thor and Hulk get sort of off panel for a, right. a, a page or two. And then that month, Strange uh, Journey into Mystery 112, which was Thor's book, right. was all about Thor versus Hulk. And right. it was literally, this is what happened in those two pages where they, they mm-hmm. while Cap and all those other Avengers were doing this as a sub, and it's like, wow, that is... <laughs> so, let me, but so let me ask yes. this question then. What two superheroes, particularly that would be unusual, uh-huh. would you like to see fight each other? For example, the Hulk and Ant-Man. I would love to see the Hulk... Try to smash Ant Man. You know, in event in Avengers or Fantastic yeah. Four number twenty six, right. Ant Man had uh, got in the wasp, and some ants got into Hulk's ear and caused an equilibrium problem, and he <laughs> kind of just fell into the river, See? and then turned into do- uh, back uh, back into Banner. Well, so. Speaking of Fantastic Four, another one for me would be Aquaman versus Silver, Silver Surfer. Surfer. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, because the obvious be... surfer water weirdness <laughs> that could well, occur. You know, in a in a weird way, if you know the surfers go mm-hmm. through space and and, right. and Aquaman goes through the depths, there's similar space and water. Yes. Just, if he could lure Silver Surfer down into his territory, you know, Mariana Trench mm-hmm. or something, I bet it would be a very interesting fight. Mm-hmm. Well, so how about uh, you, Chris, and Dan? He can a couple of whales because he can control the fish. What would be yeah. an unusual superhero fight you'd like to see? Well, I always wanted to see the Incredible Hulk arm wrestle Hulk Hogan in yes. Battle of Hulks. Wow. In Battle of Hulks. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh, gee, I'd like to see... Um... Okay, here's, here's one. I would like to see Daredevil. Okay. In a cross cross con, uh, sure. company thing, there was a villain that made a couple appearances in the early '70s. I think they've brought him back since. He's called the Ten-Eyed Man. He had his he was blinded in uh, Vietnam, and they through a delicate operation put his nerve and uh, his sight in his fingers. Okay. And so he could look around, and you've got Daredevil who's really blind, but he's not because he's right. got radar. Right. Versus a guy who can see almost in 360 degrees because of his 10, 10 fingers. fingers. So I'd like to see, that's a weird one. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
I like that. I always want to see the comic book where uh, Stevie Wonder tries to teach Daredevil how to play the piano. Oh like, my I, gosh! <laughs> like I always thought that like that would be a that would be an yeah. interesting one. You know, yeah. like, it's not yeah. really a superhero battle or anything. It's uh, more. It would probably be more so Stevie Wonder getting very frustrated. Um, yes. Well, uh, based on the first, Stevie like we've never seen him. I'd like to see how long it would take, and and I, I know he's not the smartest character, but he's a fun character. The thing. And they, yes. and they hinted at that in the first movie when his, his first fiance mm-hmm. walked out on him and he couldn't get the ring. Right. Of, I'd like to see the thing battle a business card, like try and get it up off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, I got you down, of course. Of course it's like a down. business now, card from yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. to join yeah, the Avengers. Yeah, like try and get me up now, though. It's like, oh, I can't. <laughs> the phone number's on the other side. Yeah, so yeah. It's like he needs to pick that thing up. <laughs> He try to pick it up in his mouth, yeah. like bend over on the table. He might try and blow it and hope yes. that it flips over and he can catch, catch it, it while it's up. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I made you laugh. That was my purpose here. All um, right. Oh, if Dan, if I can ask, yeah. Um, just in, I'm going to ask you a couple, a uh, couple of things here in either one word or one statement. Yes. Um, you know, whichever would be easier for you. Um, your opinion on Bob Kane? Um, I really studied this in depth i think bob kane for those you don't know the um creator of proclaimed creator of batman uh i think the person given all the credit for creating Batman. i think bob kane uh really should have opened his mouth up and said there's this other guy here named bill finger because bill wrote the early episodes bob had an idea that was a swipe from an alex raymond uh, drawing, mm-hmm. and that's what looked like literally the uh, first Detective 27 cover was a swipe from a uh, Flash Gordon uh, mm-hmm. panel, and all he did was change the costume, and the costume wasn't even there. The Bill Finger had to add the gloves and the, and the epaulette or the, the right. gauntlet thing. Right. Uh, he uh, scalloped the cape to make it look more like a bat when it mm-hmm. flew out. Uh, he took off the little domino mask and put the, the cowl with yeah. the long ears. Uh, I think he added the utility belt. So he added so much, and he just... I, I, uh, I met a guy a couple of years ago, and I forgot what stories he wrote, and beyond, I forgot his name too, uh-huh. but he actually like wrote Bat for Batman and everything. Uh-huh. And he said he met Bob Kane, uh-huh. and he was like, number one, you meet the guy, and you know he's, he's never had an original thought right. in his he's head. Very, he's like, uh, and number two, he's only famous for being the first guy who drew Batman. He's like, right. but everyone else who's ever drawn Batman has done a better job at it. He's yeah. like, so literally Bob Kane is the worst who's ever drawn Batman. Yeah, <laughs> there was a joke going around for a long time. It was it appeared as a drawing in one of the CBGs, the old mm-hmm. comic right. magazine, that said, um, attention everyone, um, uh, was it like, pick three names, like uh, <laughs> Sheldon Moldoff, right. uh, Jerry Robinson, and Lou Schwartz will be in the atrium Mm-hmm. Signing Bob Kane's autographs <laughs> for him because he, you know, he had a ghost yeah. for everything. You know. <laughs> now, what about your opinion on the Comic Code of Authority? Uh, I'm sorry, it's not in place anymore. Really? Yeah, uh, because sometimes more creative, and this goes for the old movies too. Right. More creative things come out of limitations than they do. Do whatever you want, because I really don't want to pick up the new Detective Number One that came out. Uh, during the new 52 four years ago and seeing seeing the Joker laughing at the fact that his own face was peeled off. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. I don't want to see all this. You know, they couldn't get around the 
code anymore, so they just said, oh, it's modern times, nobody, you know, you get away with a lot of things on TV, so let's just do away with the code. And I really think there should be some restrictions, and I'm not saying a lot of restrictions, but some. That they should at least go off of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, because there was a lot of great comics in the the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s that still worked around that code, and it was was wonderful. So just... uh, And when they didn't have the code on... Have I mean, you seen it was, any more creativity than there was before no. with, without the restrictions of the code? No, no. So that's my and and more more and they're finally giving Bill Finger uh, credit. Everything now with Bob Kane is Bob Kane, uh, it, but it's a Bob Kane with Bill Finger. It mm-hmm. should be and or almost it should almost be Bill Finger and with Bob. a little Bob Kane. And then one more name here, Frank yeah. Miller. Um, okay, you're gonna hate me for this. Really? Yeah. Um, very creative, very overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made his legend on about ten comic books, and uh, and I just don't like his uh, the whole Sin City thing. It's it's really great for, for very punchy noir, but as they as they bring all of his movies to light, and they, they you see the Sin City movies with everything's right. in green screen. It's like right. oh. I don't want to see a you know comic come. I want to see it turned into real life, not a pseudo life. Yeah, right. Like the green. So you now, know. if I'm under under the understanding, Frank Miller hated DC, or he um, was not a fan of DC comics. Well, all of the guys that during the '80s, because of what yeah. they did to Jack Kirby, uh, well, what DC did to, to Alan Moore and what Marvel yeah. did to uh, Jack Kirby, he everybody sort of hated the business. And as they're raking in millions, they're signing petitions. Well, mm-hmm. okay, come on company man or you know, yeah. individual you know try and try and dig ditches and get that much money so again i forgot the guy I was talking to about it but he was like okay you did a great job with dark knight returns yeah did a great job with batman year one yeah and then they gave him a million and a half dollars to make dark knight strikes again and he pretty much went ha ha screw you dc and uh, made possibly the worst yeah and it, uh, and it just each and he couldn't even keep the schedule because yeah. each issue was coming out six months later Seven months later, a year later, yeah. Uh, that also happened with Camelot, uh, Camelot uh, three thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last four issues were so late that between number eleven and twelve was a full year. Sure, uh, you can't. You have to be responsible when you're when you have a deadline when you work for somebody. That's one of the key things in my whole career. I've never missed a deadline. So. Okay. Well, gentlemen, yes. Make sure that we don't miss a deadline. Yes. Right. We're going to move towards the end of our conversation. Okay. Sure. Before we stop completely, I thought we should ask Chris. Yes, sir. If you have any um, upcoming appearances oh, later um, this year. In October, I've got uh, October eighth. I've got the how do you pronounce it? Nyan Khan. Khan. Yes. At the, at the Lake. Uh, Lake at Lakeland Community, Community College. College. I'm I'm actually the featured guest there. Uh, and Dan and I will be there as well with the Action Comedy Nerd Show, and live I, I show. Wanna, I want to see that because that sounds like so <laughs> weird that it's got to be great. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the 20, October 22nd. 22nd at the Spire Building. Yeah, that's called the, that's the, uh, the uh, NE. The Northeast Ohio Geek Fest or something. It's a Northeast, the NE Geek Fest. Yes, yes. yes. And I'm a featured guest there and yes. all the bystander books that we write uh, and paint, okay. you know, covers and everything. That will be on, on feature. We have a couple new books coming out. In fact, there's a there's a big event. We've got actors to the, to pose for our, our book cover. We painted right. them, and then those actors will be there, like coming to life off the book covers, right. to, to be there to take pictures. So sort of like the book comes to life, and you get to 
be with mm. the superheroes on that's the cool. cover. So that's sort of an event that they're going to do for All us. All right. And uh, any other upcoming events in the future, listeners can go to the Bystander Group Facebook page, yes. uh-huh. and those are announced on there usually. Oh, yeah. We, we always make sure that that's... It's like my page is for, like, well, my dad just passed away or something. But then, okay. you know... But the, so the your page is to bring people down with depressing news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, good. I, I'm not a big poster, Roger that. but the, the Bystander <laughs> page is just for... That's, what, it sounds a lot like Fox doing. News here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And You're ready to have a good time? Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan and I and some special guests will be at NyonCon, which is October 8th at Lakeland, doing the Action Comedy Nerd Show live show. Woo! And with that, I just want uh, Dan and I to say thank you to Chris Lambert oh, for being thank our guest today. Thank you thank both. You. Thank you both. Well, Dan Brown, that was our first ever interview for the... Action Comedy Nerd Show Podcast. I think it went pretty well. Well, it was great talking to Chris about comic books and comic book movies and all the stuff he's done. Yes. What was your favorite part of the conversation? Me. Well, you were pretty darn good. I, I would say so, yes. yes. Uh, no, I, I enjoy talking to Chris. I just enjoy talking about Batman and Superman and, well, and just superheroes in general. So it was a good time. You're If someone's a real comic book fan, it's real interesting talking to Chris because he's one of those know-it-alls. Yeah. No matter what topic you bring up, no matter what obscure reference you make. He will know something about that something. Yes. <laughs> it was a question I brought up, but I really found it interesting to talk about underrated supervillains. Okay. I think that supervillains, you know, they're the yin and the yang. They're the nemesis of the superheroes. So they have to be as interesting. Yes. If not more interesting sometimes. Right, yeah. yeah. Cops is never, they never have boring criminals on there. Yes. <laughs> you, you never watch an episode of Cops where they're just giving out speeding tickets. Yes. You need the yin and the yang. <laughs> All right. Well, that just remains for uh, me, your co-host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, to thank your other co-host, the Dan Brown. Yes, the Dan Brown, not the one writing books like a weirdo. Catch up, Dan Brown. Yes. To the real Dan Brown. So I want to thank Chris for being our first ever interview subject. Yeah, Chris. I want to thank my very good friend Jeff Gettert for composing and producing our original theme music. Thanks, Jeff. And the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast is written, produced, and hosted by me, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, and my co-host. Me, Dan Brown. Dan Brown. The real one. And we thank you for listening. Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. bang. Reboot the universe. universe. Come Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. Comedy Nerd Show.